Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Hey there, it's Timmy Manor, and welcome to the Spirit of Sport right here on 1170 SEN. Joining me tonight, like he does every week, Benny Little. Thank you. Thought I'd make an appearance. Thanks for joining us, mate. Our special guest this week. Mate, Benny, I've been trying so hard to get this one. I'm really excited about this guest. He's, uh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's done a lot. He made a debut in the NRL in 2010 with the Newcastle Knights and went on to play 113 games before making the switch to the Super League in 2019. Across three seasons in the UK, I guess became an integral member of the St. Helens team, helping the society create history and win three titles in a row, capped off with a man-of-the-match performance 2021 grand final. He's returned to Australia in a bid to revive his NRL career with the Sydney Roosters and will be looking to help the club clinch another premiership. Let's go. He just All he does is win this guy. Tonight, <laughs> our guest on the Spirit of Sport is Sydney Roosters winger, Kevin Aguama. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. I think I'm oh. Way too big introduction, mate. <laughs> mate, it's actually impressive. When I, when I read that intro, Benny, mm. that's so were you part of all three grand finals, Kev? Yes, yes, I was. Three grand final wins. And yeah. that's unreal. And and you got me in the match last. I remember watching that last game. Um, what was the vibe like there with that team? Was it a special team? It really was, man. Um for me personally, being a part of a, a team that's winning, that was very rare. Um, so it was a new experience for me, just being in a team. A winning culture, I think, would be the best way to describe it. Um, you know, not having tasted that sort of success. And then it was just really, after being a part of that team for three years, you really understand how, how special that group was. And I think it was just more so me. I was just grateful to be a part of that team, to be honest. They were just... I came in that team at the right time when they just really started playing some really good football and um, can only just look at it as being blessed, to be honest. That's awesome, man. And I know Joseph Paulo and my old teammates and, and good friends went over there. Uh, was it Justin Holbrook that was your coach at the time with for the first two yeah. anyway? Yeah, it was Justin Holbrook who was um, the coach the first year. Um, he was the um, one that got me over there. I signed a three-year deal with him. Um, and then after the first year, he actually... Because he'd done so well, he got offered a, a contract with the Gold Coast Titans, which he's currently coaching at the moment. And um, Christian Wolf, who is um, oh, yeah. the Tongan national coach, he came in in the second year and obviously um, won um, leading us into two grand finals there in 2020 and 2021. Yeah, wow. Well, mate, welcome back to Australia anyway. Um, what's it been like making it coming back home, I guess? Yeah, it's it's been really good to be honest. Um, me and my wife, um, living over in England, we you know we got the great news that she fell pregnant and um, oh, we had congrats. a new baby over there. Thank you, thank you. Awesome. So we had a little girl who's 14 months now, but um, as you would know, Timmy, it was just the struggles of COVID and then obviously raising a newborn child. Oh yeah. Um, without any help, it obviously put a lot of pressure. Yeah. on us and you know it was a leading factor honestly to us coming back home and having my mum and my dad and everyone else family to just help out it honestly makes the biggest difference and you know it has been really good having that support and not experiencing that the first year um, me and my wife have just definitely enjoying that and I think just being around family the most bit being away from them for two years and coming back home to them has just been so sweet and really enjoying every moment 
how do you go as a father and um, supporting husband with the newborn? <laughs> oh, mate, I tell you what, a lot of learning. That's what it was. <laughs> Be honest. <laughs> a lot of learning. Oh, you change a nappy? Oh, I had to learn, didn't I? Oh, come yeah. on, don't ask Timmy. Oh, don't, don't, bro. Don't, don't go there. I'm fantastic. I'm I'm a natural. I can do my eyes closed these days. Oh, mate. I believe you. Oh, mate, you're talking about coming back to Australia and coming home because of the baby, but, gee, you've done it well. Like, there's one thing coming home, something swallowing with uh, one of the best teams in the competition. How did that come about? How did you end up at the Roosters? Yeah, so, um, funny story, man. Like, I had made the decision to come back before the season even started um, in 2021. So just with my newborn baby and mum not being able to come over, me and my wife made the decision early. Um, and for me, I think that was a big decision personally because making it before the season even started, I was already contemplating not playing that year. So regardless, I was taking the football, um, the weight of that decision of possibly not playing anymore um, very early. and. I had to make sure that I was all right with that decision. I can't. I couldn't hang that over my wife's head and saying that she was the reason that mm. I quit. I had to make sure that it was me personally. I had to be ready to give up the game if that was going to be the decision. And, you know, I had a, numerous conversations with different people and I got to a place where I was happy to, you know, finish playing 2021 as the last season and coming home to, you know, focus on the next chapter in life and um, becoming a dad and putting my family first and, how that sort of came about, you know, as my manager sort of helped out with that. Um, after the grand final, the Roosters sort of reached out and he said um, they might be interested. And I got to have a conversation with um, Trent Robinson. And, uh, you know, uh, for me personally, I was I didn't think that the NRL was ever a possibility after going to England. Um, you know, I thought I was going to finish up my career in the Super League. And, and that was the end of that. And... Um, Especially when the Roosters came to the table, I was really, really shocked, especially coming to the back end of my career and um, had a conversation with Robert after our grand final. And he just talked to me about their plans and, um, you know, having me as a as a senior member of the squad. And, you know, um, for me personally, it just was an opportunity that I could not turn down. Um, I really wanted to, you know, reconnect with Robert. Robert actually coached me in Toyota Cup back in 2008 in Newcastle. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't know that. I sort of um, had, had my first sort of meeting with him then and being coached under him then. And for me as an 18-year-old back then, I thought he, so much of him, he was so smart in how he was able to um, break down the game and his knowledge of the game. He's a really, really think of, of rugby league. And, you know, you put him up there, one of the best coaches right now with what he's accomplished. And, yeah, just, you know, the opportunity that... It, you know, he spoke to me of what he has plans for the Roosters and um, how I could be involved in that. And, you know, I jumped at that opportunity and really enjoying it, to be honest, to me. And yeah. um, not only that, but like, I feel like I'm still learning as a player, uh, funny enough, even though I'm at the back end of my career, but just learning so much being around um, him as um, a coach, but also the playing group as well, just the culture they have and the standards that they drive. Yeah, It really um, gets the best out of you and makes you want to be the best player you want to be as well. It's such a big selling point for a club. Like there's one thing to sign somewhere because you want to, you know, get a contract or get money. But when you're a club like Roosters in the Melbourne, I keep harping on about it, but when you've got a culture like that, 
it's it's great selling point that you can tell a player come sign here and you can learn how to how to do things differently, how to be a bit more professional, how to grow grow, grow through a culture. It's lessons that you're going to learn from that that I think you'll take well past footy and you can use it in your next career, whatever you end up doing. Um, yep. You, you've gone from having one of the coldest off seasons you can get, and now you're in the middle of summer. <laughs> how did you find the preseason with the Roosters? Are they what's their preseason like compared to what you did at St Helens? It's different. It's it's hard, um, and it's long, long days, man. Yeah. I think that was probably the biggest thing for me. Like I knew it was going to be a tough preseason, but I just I think I wasn't prepared for how long the days were. Um, and not that I'm complaining about it. Like we get a lot of work done. And it's no surprise why they are the way that they are because they they put so much work in their preseason that sets them up for their season. Yeah, like that's where they lay lay down their foundations to them having a big year and them having a successful year. They put so much work into it, and um, for me personally, it was a it was a big it was a big um, a shock. I guess I knew what I was expecting, but because I've been away from it for three years, it was just like a completely different system. Um, and it took the body uh, probably a good like four weeks to get used to it, if I'm being honest. But um, definitely sort of cut, started to come into a stride and and find myself um, around the fourth week. But um, it, it was definitely different to St Helens. Uh, but in saying that, it's nothing taken away from St Helens as well. You know, we did a, a tough preseason there, and you know the coaching staff and the performance team obviously planned it well where we could you know lay down our foundations as well in preseason to have us the best season possible what were some of the standout qualities of the the culture at st helens yeah well one thing was is um it it was player driven so the the culture and the standards and the values that we had was driven by the leadership group right um and from that like the players really followed their lead um, and it's so much easier when the players are driving that. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. Instead of a coach trying to um, implement that, when the play when it's player driven, it, there's something powerful about that, and it really does lift the intensity and um, the standard of like the sessions and what's required. But um, what I found also is like they're very um, diligent in like their attention to detail. So not only were they the values that they had on the field were carried off the field into them being a father, a husband, um, off the field as well. So, like, not only that, like, I think something that was more important was your character was being refined um, and you're making you a better person as well, which is something that, you know, I'm grateful and feel like I've definitely become out of, learned from that and, and come out stronger as well. That's so good, man. And I, I love the maturity you speak with. I feel like, I'm, like I've known you for such a long time, but even when you were younger, you always spoke with such maturity and you're able to always take lessons out of every situation you're in. And I love that even now, reflecting on, the, on your last few years and looking at where you are now, even the way you talk about your fatherhood, you know, there's so much learning for you to, to learn from it. I, I love your attitude about learning and wanting to grow. Um, and now, obviously, you're in a, in a new club, um, maybe even training and playing in a new position. Is it... What what yeah. um what are you looking at? What do you spend most of your time in the off season training in? Uh, a bit, man, to be honest. And I think like part of the reason why I was recruited um, was just because of the injuries that they had. You know, they right. I thought it was just a shocking sort of um, unlucky year that the Roosters had with the injuries. You know, with almost the starting thirteen being out. And um, part of the reason me coming to the club was, I guess the 
versatility of covering not only one position but a numerous positions in the back line. Having played there, so I've been training at fullback, trained at centre, trained at wing, and just sort of learning those different roles. And, front row? Um, <laughs> beg your pardon? Front row? Prop. Front row. If I'm in front row, Timmy, I think I should hang up the boots oh, now. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Protect yourself, mate. Once I move in there, I think that's, um, that's definitely a sign to finish up for me. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know a few of the boys I just was with Micah Sibel yesterday and uh he's actually weighing more than I ever weighed in the front row, so he wouldn't look out of place in the front row wow. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, Mate, what are you most excited about uh with playing for the Roosters? Um, for me personally is just I, I wanted to add value to the team. Yeah. Um coming here what what I wanted to do, whether it was in the starting seventeen or out of it. I still wanted to add value to this team. I wanted to help the young players, you know, coming back as a senior player. I wanted to help the young players with their their development. And, you know, for me, like, just to be a part of that is massive. And to come back um, on the other side of the spectrum, but still playing um, is massive. You know, they've got some real young kids in this squad that, you know, have big futures in their game. That um, Joseph Sawali, um, that Billy Smith in the outside backs, you know, they're... They're boys that are going to be the future and the stars of the game. And, you know, to be a part of their development is, you know, I'm so grateful for that. But yeah. also, not only add value, but I feel like the coaches give me so much. The players push me to be better there. So I'm still growing as a player. Um, what, being like 13, 14 years now, my 14th year in the game. And um, I'm just looking, like I said, just to add value to the team and, and help them achieve, you know, the goals and aspirations that we we push to to achieve in 2022. Yeah. Yeah, you talk about adding value, and I know you've been a huge part of the, the Fijian side um, the last few years, especially in the World Cup. What, what does that mean to you, and, and, and how do you feel like you can contribute and add value into that team? Oh, for me, mate, like, you see me, I'm not one to hide emotion. You know, I swell up with pride representing my country, and, you know, it's evident in, like, how emotional I get when the national anthem is sung. You know, both my parents are Fijian descent. I'm a proud Fijian man, and, you know, I love representing my country. I always see it as on and a privilege to, to pull on the black and white jersey. And, um, you know, to hopefully play for Fiji again in the in the World Cup this year would mean the world because um, I, I love captaining the team, but not only that, I just love representing the nation of Fiji to see the people and the smiles and the faces that it brings to see uh, like NRL boys, you know, rep- play for their respective countries. You know, they, they love that back in Fiji. You get about 100 to 200 people gathering in villages around a TV screen just watching the boys play NRL. That's so good. I love that. Yeah. For their countries. So um, it puts a lot of smile on their faces. They love it when the NRL boys play for, for Fiji as well. And, um, you know, we it's just a special, it's really hard to describe the feeling that we get when we're in camp. It honestly feels like we're on holiday because it's just so enjoyable. You're with your mates, uh, but you, you you really do form a strong bond of like family within those camps. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to sound racist because I love all races, but I've got a huge soft spot for Fijians. I, I, there's just something about them. They're, they're so warm. Um, I remember we played a game. I don't I don't know if you played, but I played a Junior Kangaroos game there in 2007, a long time ago now. Yeah. And just driving through the streets and everywhere you go, they're just such a everyone's waving and everyone's got such a great like you know character about them. Uh, and I've been lucky enough yeah. to play with a few. Obviously, um, you know, I played with Jared Swick, Lil, um, but you know, Samuel Dradra, 
he'd be one of the yeah. I consider him, you know, one of the best I play with as well. And so many, so much natural talent coming out of that country. Um, what over in Fiji? What's it like there? Do they know? Do they know that they're gifted? Do they know they're natural, naturally gifted, or is it something that they're just um, oblivious to? Yeah, well, if you go to Fiji, man, like every park is full. Yeah, every park yeah. is full, and they're all playing touch football. It's just, it's the national game, um, and it's like more rugby union is like the national sport there. But they just got a football and they're throwing it around, and the park is full. You probably got fifty players on each side. <laughs> It's, and they just play for hours, mate. But like you said, Timmy, there it is. I I personally think from like what I've experienced and seen when I go to Fiji, I think they're just naturally talented, man. They just play that flamboyant sort of freestyle football where they throw it, and they just able to pull off these passes out of nowhere. Um, but part of the reason, um, I don't know if you heard the the Fijian the KVT Silk Tails that Petra Devenaviva put forward. It has been pushing. I don't know if you heard of them in the Run Messi Cup at the moment. Okay, yeah. Is that is that um, to play in the comp? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. basically, Petro put this forward because um, pretty much he's seen the talent back in Fiji, and he just wanted to give them a way to you know express themselves, but like also opportunity for NRL clubs and other clubs to see the local Fijians. So um, hopefully, no COVID happens. But the boys are here at the moment. There's a squad of twenty-five. Oh, really? I think. 28. Um, my brother was actually coaching them uh, this year. The Fijian team, and, the actual Fijian team? Yeah, yeah. So they, they've flown like 25 to 28 local boys from Fiji Yeah. Um, over here, and they're going to be in the Ron Massey Cup playing every week. Oh, awesome. Yeah, not... Um, and it's just basically to give them that opportunity, man, because, you know, for most of these boys, they've never left the country, never flown in a plane, so... It's a great experience for them and also opportunity for them to be seen by other clubs and hopefully get scouted. Yeah, well, that's a thing. Um, yeah, it's about opportunity. And I think the one thing we learned from COVID, you saw the Warriors do it. Um, you've seen teams do it in Brisbane last year. It's it's almost like people have accepted that, you know what, if it means helping my career or, or helping me you know, get more out of my career, if it means moving out away from home for three or four or five months, whatever it is, the people are willing to yeah. do it. And, and seeing the Fijians do the same thing, like it sounds like a huge sacrifice, but... If you can open the door and change their life and change the life of their family, I think it's a, it's a great initiative, and hopefully it does do that. And I'm sure it will because it. Normie's always Corey. Normie's always joke about you know if when Sammy was was leaving, he was like, "Oh, we'll just go to Fiji yeah. and get another one." <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, they, it, it was funny at the time, but then next next thing you know, we've got Mike Casiva knocking at our door, and yeah. um, there's just it's just so much talent. There. So I've got no doubt if there's a team performing in Australia week in week out, there's so much of that's going to get picked up by Australian clubs, and I think it's a great initiative. Yeah, for sure, man. Hopefully, then that's the goal at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we'll just have to wait and see who the next Michael Sivo is. Yep. <laughs> Mate, you seem to be quite open about your, your faith and your spirituality. Tell us a bit about the role of, um, you know, your Christianity when it comes to um, lacing up the boots on the field. Yeah, yeah, for me, um, for those that don't know, like my faith in, in Jesus Christ has always been a big part of my life. You know, it's something that I'm, I'm loud and proud about it and yeah. unapologetic, but also I don't really go around sort of um, Bible bashing everyone. I, tr I try mm. and sort of live it in a practical way, mm. um, the way that I carry myself in front of my peers, in front of people. You know, I always want to be kind and loving and respectful, and, you know, I hope that sort of reflects who Jesus is and what he's done in my life. But 
Um, as a personal note, like my faith has been a big part of my life from a young teenager, you know, and sort of embedded in me from my parents. Mm. Being of Fijian descent, it's sort of a um, a normal thing back home in Fiji, you know, in, on Sunday everyone's in church and all the shops are closed and um, that's what it sort of looks like in, in a Fijian culture setting and, you know, my, I sort of grew up in... Um, as a Christian and going to church and you from Friday nights, um, and it's, you know, it's played a critical role, not only in my football, but in my life, you know, yeah. it's a big part of who I am. It's, it's helped me through the roller coaster of life. You know, there's a lot of adversity that you face. Um, I think we all face that personally, like, um, we face battles that we sort of go through in life and that's, um, been a constant rock in my life. It's been a, a comforting space and, you know, it's, always continued to challenge me and help me develop as a person, but also to be a great father, a good husband to my wife, and just be a good role model in general to people when they see me. And um, it's something that I really, you know, love. It's something that I'm passionate about and, you know, will continue to share about my faith in, in settings and, you know, when opportunities present itself. Yeah, how, how has your faith anchored you in those challenging times as a as a football player or just generally in life? Well, man, like even though I say it's anchored me, it's still tough. Yeah. You go through hard moments where you you ask the hard questions: Why me? Or why is this happening to yeah. me? You know, I'm yeah. a follower, um, and I think it's through those times that you really get um, refined and challenged and. You know, if anything, I've learned through those times is, you know, God has always said that it's it's not yet, not not as in the sense of um, how do I sorry word this. It's always been like a a trial, that, but when I've come through, I've come through stronger. If That's that makes awesome. sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it hasn't been easy because if you think about when you go through something, it's hard, it's uncomfortable, but when you come out the other side of it, man, it makes you a stronger person and it builds you. I talked about character earlier, build your character to face mm. the next test. And I feel like that's what life is. It's full of tests where you're constantly up against it, um, but you go through something to be stronger and you're able to face another challenge. Amen, bro. And how do you found being a Christian in, in a sporting environment? I guess um, you know, everyone's got a stereotypical view of, of what it must be like to be a professional sports person, but... Um, how do you find sticking to, you, to your values and your, and your convictions in that scene? Yeah, well, when I first came onto the scene, it was really hard, to be honest. Um, there wasn't many role models in that, in that sense that were, um, you know, uh, talking about their faith or not. So for me, I sort of was shy, if that makes sense, or I didn't even talk about it at all as a young person coming through the, the junior grades. Um, there's probably two people <laughs> that I probably saw that um, that I learned were Christians through my journey of being a first grader. It's probably Timmy Mann and, and Joseph Fallon. Those two have been consistent. Um, they've been diligent in their faith. And, you know, those are boys that are like sort of encouraged me to, you know, talk more about my faith as well. And um, I think it's, there's something powerful when there's when you see other players. Yeah. Um, when you see other players that are are not uh, that share about their faith, um, there more players come out, and now it's just seen as the normal thing. I don't know if you 
see it, but like you just see so so many prayer circles now. You see so many. It's just a common thing. It was well, so uncommon. Well, I was about to ask you about like, that because I feel like you had a really big part to do with that. You know, obviously I played um, yeah, for a number of years, but that never existed. And then there was a key group of guys. Um, you know, yourself. I remember Joseph Paulo. Um, you know, Josh Alloy. A few guys that were just like really brave and decide. You know what? Let's let's pray on the field after a game. I thought you were a really key guy of that. How did that come about? Like, what made you, um, you know, drive that so hard? Uh, it was funny enough. It was after Easter service at Hillsong. Um, yeah. I was at the Hills campus, and I saw like Joseph was there. Joseph Paulo, Samir and Dradra. Um, I think Brad Takarangi was there as well, and you were there too, yeah. Timmy. Yeah. Um, we were playing you the next day, the Easter Monday That's game. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We were, we still do um, that. And I and I saw you guys, and I was like, you know what? Like, we're playing them tomorrow, but. I'll just like say a prayer with him after the game, you know, because when I see you, I see you, you know, with the same blood. We're in our faith, like under one house with one roof. Yeah. You know, one house with many rooms. And I was like, that that was probably the, if I can remember a distinct point, that was probably the day. Yeah. Um, I think that was in 2015. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then that was the first time I, I sort of asked you boys to pray with us and, you know, you boys were more than happy to do it. Um, and then from there, it sort of gave me the courage to just ask after every game, I love um, that. do you want to pray with us? And then that's all how it started for me doing the prayer circles. And like I was saying earlier, it's just, you just see it as a common thing now, both no, not even in the NRL, but just everywhere. You see it in all different yeah. sports and it's really encouraging to see that as a sports person. It's it's incredible how much like it takes one person to stand out, and all of a sudden everyone feels more and more confident. Yeah, um, and that prompt, yeah, that definitely. prompt that you got, like, I don't know if it felt like an idea or you know, or if it was like a a, a God prompt or a, you know a prompt from the Holy Spirit, but just being obedient to those things and the doors that can open. Um, have you had many experiences like that where you've maybe felt that God nudge to step out and the um, you know, the the result has been has been fantastic. Oh yeah, for for sure. I think um if anything what it's also given me is the I think the courage to speak more. To be honest, I was a really yeah. shy person growing up and I found like being in a connect group um like a Bible study group, being able to talk freely in a small group, it gives you the confidence and actually builds you up mm. to actually speak confident in front of people, confident in front of not in front of people in general, but I think I'm more confident to speak in front of a playing group now. Do you know what I mean? I thought it was so daunting as a young kid to talk and stand up, at, or even in the classroom, in the front of a classroom. But now it's just something that I just take in my stride. And I definitely put it to a God thing. It's mm. spiritual. Um, being so confident to talk and share about God's Word, it's it just helps you so much. And it makes me confident in who I am. You know, like, I think now... I'm so confident in my identity in Christ that the outside noise doesn't affect me anymore. So I definitely feel like there's there's some God moments along the line that have helped me to be have the courage to speak out more. And um, you know, I hope that's who how people see me. I think it is because I always get asked that question. You know, in different playing groups, they always talk ask about my faith, and mm. you know, for me, it makes me proud that people see me. You know, they connect me with Christ because. That's who I want to be connected with, but I don't really sh- like speak about it until. Yeah. But people always ask the question, so they've seen it somewhere, or um, and I feel like that's us just sharing the good news, the gospel, and 
you know, when they see me, that I get a lot asked a lot of questions about my faith, and you know, I just feel like we're just all doing the best that we can and doing what we're called to do, and that's share the good news. Mm. That's awesome, and and. You, you've got a group of brothers around you that are strong, and I know you're such a big influence on so many people, especially the Christians in the sport. Um, you know, you and I are both part of a, a WhatsApp chat as well with guys from all over different sports around the world. Yep. Uh, you also consider yourself, a, you're an ex-teammate, so am I, and, and a friend of uh, Joseph Paulo. Um, yeah. As a friend, do you, do you feel a bit guilty that you haven't confronted him yet about his, uh, his hair? Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'm gonna. He, he's, oh, I can't believe you he, went there. I've got him. Uh, I've got him scheduled to uh, be a guest on this show in the next few weeks, and we're gonna have a heart to heart. It's only between me, him, Betty, and, and all our listeners. <laughs> but um, you know, I, he, he was obviously a pivotal part of my life, and he was there when I decided to shave my head and let it go. And I think, as my friend, it's my duty to make sure I encourage him to keep. Uh, to follow the same route because at the moment he's, oh, he's not man. fooling anyone, Benny. Yeah. Step up, Timmy brought this up if you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the island. There's some things you should hang on to and be resilient. We'll speak about <laughs> Benny. We're going to speak about it more in a few weeks, but I'll, I just want to explain why we refer to his hairstyle as the island. Yes, because I was going to say not the island. He's got it. He's got it. Oh, he's got to patch the front right at the front of his hair that's broken away from the mainland. <laughs> oh. And the, the mainland is broken away. There's clear water between the oh, island and, and the mainland. No. So he's, he's actually living in a... He's got a new way on his head. Oh, wow. But that's a, oh, that's, that's no. a story for another day. That's not, that's not your concern, Kevin. Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin um, can you give us a glimpse? Like, you're, yeah, you've still got, you know, as many years as you want in the career because I feel like even though you're getting a bit older, your body is like... It feels like you're a 17-year-old kid, so the way you... You played last year in that grand final. Oh, You're like a spring chicken. Right. So, yeah, we're going to play as long as you want. But when the day comes <laughs> that you finish, um, what is it you're passionate about? What is it you want to do after football? Yeah, so at the moment, I'm kind of currently doing, well, finishing off now my um, carpentry. It was something that I was doing with the Tigers. Um, when I was with the Tigers, before I went overseas to Super League and then I've um, been doing it via correspondence now online. Um, so I'm hopefully hoping to sort of finish that off this year and um, transition into some of that work once I finish up from 40. Yeah. And is that something that you can like do some like more and more work as you're playing or is it something you're just going to put on the back burner and just focus on Yeah, no, no. Nah, nah. So uh, when I was at Tiger, that's what I was doing. I was doing oh, wow. Monday, Tuesday nights and yeah. then working on my days off. Like we had a day off before captain's run. Yeah. Um, and it was the only day I could work during the week. So That's I just, just did yeah. an eight-hour shift on that day um, on the tools because I have to get my hours up. Like, that's part yeah. of the the deal with it. And for me, like, of course, most of the theory is done. It's just me getting prep work. So now that I'm back here, I'm looking to do all my days off just working. That says, yeah, that's a lot, says a lot about your work ethic, the fact that you're even doing that after hours. Uh, I always say that athletes, especially the ones that have that work ethic, and you know who they are just by watching them play, they will kill it post football in the workforce because there's a lot of people that naturally don't have that. And as an athlete, you just have it without even thinking about it. You think, yeah, I've just got to do extras before training. I've got to hang around after training, do extra work. You're, you're staying back and doing tape afterward. Like all that stuff is just ingrained in you now that it's natural for you. So when you go into a job in the workforce, it doesn't scare you. The, 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 the idea of hard work doesn't scare you. And that's what make you, um, what will, will make you so successful in your next career. So I'm really excited to see how that pans out for you. Um, yeah, thanks, mate. Now, we're at the pinnacle point of our show. 
Uh, we talk about it every week about how we have fans from all over the world listen to this radio show just for this segment. It's called the 60 Second Blitz with Blitz. Good luck, Kevy. Kevy, I'm just gonna fire. Okay. I'm just gonna fire questions at you, and you need to answer. Yep. The first answer that comes to your head for 60 seconds, or it could go longer. Sometimes it goes. Longer. Okay. All right. Let's go. Okay. Now you've um you've had a big week. It's time for some downtime, some rest time. What's your uh, le- leisure activity of choice? Hmm. <laughs> Say, can you say? Can you repeat that again? Sorry. Start the it, time it, again. It's time. <laughs> it's it's time for downtime. You're resting. What do you do to chill out? Oh, I like taking either my wife or my daughter down to the beach and just walking oh, along the water. Oh, yeah, nice. good. Okay, which leads... Because we never had any beaches in England, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> which leads me to my next question. What's the uh, best investment you've ever made? Proposing to my wife. Oh, okay. Ding, ding, yeah. ding, ding. Good answer. Good, you passed. Now, um, fa- favorite, favorite food, mate? Cream barbecue. Ooh. Oh, interesting. Any yeah. sh- any, where, where do you go in Sydney, mate? Any shout-outs? It's in, it's in Chinatown. It's called Yangsang Park. Highly recommend. Oh, wow. Shout that's out. where he's, we're going. Oh, I think he's got shares in there, the way <laughs> you mentioned it. That was straight at the top Jeez. of his head. Yeah, that's a bad idea. sort of cut in for it. I know it's all 60 seconds. Yeah, well, it's, only, yeah, it's my only but, segment. But, yeah, go for it. <laughs> I, <laughs> the thing I don't like about I love the food at Korean barbecue. I just don't like having to work for it. Nah. Yeah, yeah, I'm going oh, there. Oh, well, they cook it for you. That's oh, they cook it for you? Ah, oh, then, bingo, yeah, let's go. Yeah, we're, so. Benny, we'll, we'll wrap up. We'll do it. Let's go now, you think? Yeah. I mean, oh, I love that. You don't want to work for it. It's, you don't want to lose any calories no. <laughs> working for this. No, yeah. I just want you to feed it to me. Um, all right, mate, you can um, jump on a plane with a few friends for a holiday. Where, where are you going? Maldives. Oh, oh, nice. Jeez. Now, okay, worst date you've ever been on? Oh, freak. <laughs> You're testing me there. <laughs> All right, or best date. Come on, best date. Best date. Actually, no, worst date. I got one. I got one. Oh, here we go. So when, well, it's my wife now, but when our, our first ever meeting, wasn't even a date, we were just meeting up as yeah. friends. Yeah. Um, she's been in Thailand for two and a half years. Yeah. Anyway, I was supposed to take her to this restaurant. It was under renovations, and we end up going to a Thai restaurant, and she's just, she was so angry at me after because <laughs> we've been eating Thai food for two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing she wanted was turn, so That's oh, worst date for sure. Oh, that's good. <laughs> at least you're thoughtful. Yeah. You know, yeah. At least you're a thoughtful guy. Yeah. I tried. Yeah. I tried. <laughs> I did pay for it though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, worst investment you've ever made? Worst? Worst investment? Oh, worst investment, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's tough, isn't it? Uh, I'm not sure yet. All right. If you could meet any person in the world, who would you meet and why? Denzel Washington. Oh. He's a bad dude, man. He's, yeah. He's there's a bit of a, like there's a bit of Denzel about Kevy. Yeah. yeah. The way he talks, the wisdom. No, no, the, no, yeah, yeah. No, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He draws from a deep place like yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah. Deep well. <laughs> Deep Fijian well. Um, no, that's all I got, mate. You passed with five. Ah, well done. Well, well done, done. Kevy. Oh, thank you. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> Kevy, uh, unfortunately, we are gone, it's gone quick, but we're at the end of the show. And, mate, I just want to take a, a quick second to honour you and just say thank you, one, for making the time. I know your schedule is crazy busy at the moment yeah. in the middle of off-season and so much going on. So thank you for your time. But also 
thank you for the example you're setting for so many people, that next generation. Um, you know, you spoke about me and Sefa, and I was, you know, grateful that there was guys like Jason Stevens before us, but what you're doing is allowing a whole new generation behind you to really be brave and, and bold about their faith. Mm. Um, you know, you started that, a, a prayer circle that's still going today and, you know, you're back in the NRL and hopefully we can still see it, but it's, you're doing so many things that have a legacy about you and it's, um, you're such a, you know, the, the, the Fijian anthem and the way that you became the face of that and, and represented so much more about passion and there's just so much things about you that um, are such great traits and, and I just, you know, you're such a great person for kids to look up to and I'm, I'm really grateful that we have you playing in the NRL still and I'm grateful that you gave your time for us to join us today on our show. So thank you and uh, yes. all the best for this season, mate. Thank you. Oh, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.